This is a teaching from Grace River Church in O'Fallon, Missouri. Our prayer is that this sermon will help inspire you to take the next step of your faith with Jesus Christ. Hey, what's up? My name is Chris Highfill, lead pastor here at Grace River Church. I want to say thank you so much for watching online at home today. We are in a series right now called Rescued, and we're walking through the Gospel of John, sharing stories in John's Gospel. John was one of the 12 disciples, but sharing stories out of John Go- John's Gospel of people that were rescued uh, by Jesus. And and not only the people that were rescued, but the people that they rescued as a result of being rescued. And so uh, I got to want to open with a question, though. If there really is a God, then why did he let whatever it was happen? So if there really is a good God, then why did he let my, my loved one die too soon? If there really is a, a loving God, then why did I lose my job? If there really is a loving God, then why did they walk out on me? If there really is a loving God, and my, my hope today is that we can answer that question uh, and then we can actually tweak, it, the, tweak the question a little bit and help us to understand that God is going to work all of these things out for two purposes, for his glory and for our good. So we're going to jump into John chapter 9. Uh, that's where we're going to be today. And this is Jesus healing a man who was born blind. And so uh, we're going to jump right into the story. John chapter 9, we'll start in verse 1. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. That's important uh, because this man had never seen. And so it wasn't like he... Uh, had sight and then lost it, this man had never uh, been able to see his entire life. And so uh, this man would have been looked at as someone that was cursed. And so that brings up the second verse. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why? And again, this comes back to the loving God statement. If there is a loving God, then why was this man born blind? Why was this man born blind? During this time period, they thought that it was either because of his sin or generationally, maybe it was the sin of his parents. So was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? And then Jesus says this. He says, it wasn't, it's not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. And so uh, we, we must quickly carry out the task assigned to us, uh, the one who sent us. The night is coming when no one can work. What Jesus is essentially saying is we look at our problems like a crisis, but God looks at our problems like opportunities. That instead of me looking at every problem that I have in my life as just simply a problem and really even taking the problems that I face in my life and, one, and beginning to believe like, man, like is God even real? We have these moments of doubt when we face problems and circumstances that we don't love and we think, man, God doesn't want you to look at every single crisis as you have in your life as a problem. He wants you to look at the crisis and go, man, how is it that God could show up in this. So the real question isn't, is there a loving God? The question is, is how will a loving God use this pain in my life? And so my encouragement is don't waste your pain. Like the difficulties that you're in, the circumstances that you're in, we're all in them. Make a decision to say, I'm gonna grow through what it is I'm, go- I'm going through. And every one of us can make that decision. And that's a, that's a you can't control a lot of your circumstances, but you can control how you will react to the circumstances. Then in verse five, but while I'm here in the world, Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. Then he spit on the ground. This is unique. This is a miracle that Jesus performs where typically miracles Jesus is performing, he just speaks and the person is healed. But in this particular miracle, he spits in the ground. Now I'm gonna take a second just to get like, do you realize how much spit it would take to make mud? Because it was... This verse six, then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and he spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. There's a lot happening here. First of all, 
the, the disciples are having this conversation in front of the blind man about the blind man. And the blind man, they didn't ask the blind man why he was born like this. They asked Jesus why he was born like this. But the blind man would have been very familiar with people talking about him and not to him. Uh, because to be blind or to be even disabled during this time period is different than being disabled or blind today. Uh, being blind today, you got options. And during that time period, you wouldn't have had any options. Your options are you're, you're going to be a beggar, you're going to be an outcast. And as soon as your parents could get you out of the house, they were going to. And so that's really important because your family and yourself, uh, because of your blindness, uh, because of whatever disadvantage that you may have, you weren't even allowed to go in and, and worship in the temple. And so this is this man's whole life. He was blind. Now he's hearing Jesus talk about him and the disciples talk about him, not to him. And then the next thing he hears, you can't see anything because he's blind. The next thing he hears is this. Because it's not just like a little bit of spit that you can spit in the ground and make mud. I mean, Jesus must have had to hawk up. I know this is pretty gross. Jesus must have had to hawk up a pretty big set of loogies uh, to be able to spit enough into the ground to make mud. And all of a sudden, this dude's day is getting way worse because now he's hearing someone spit and he's maybe even thinking, is this guy spitting on me? Like, what's going on? Because again, he's blind. Maybe he didn't feel the spit on him. Maybe he hit his clothes or something. But Jesus begins to mix the, the, the dirt with the spit and makes mud. And now he's got mud on his face uh, from the spit of a man named Jesus. That's all this guy knows. Then Jesus says this. He told him, go and wash yourself in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So the man went and washed and came back. He came back seeing. I love this because the pool meant sent. And what's really great is, is that rescued people always decide to rescue other people. What is it that God has rescued you from that you need to go and help rescue others from? Then in verse eight, his neighbors and others knew him as the blind beggar and asked each other, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Notice this, they didn't ask him. They asked each other. They see him come back and all of a sudden, can you imagine he comes back from the pool and now he can see. His entire life, he's never seen anything. I mean, can you imagine he's enjoying the colors? He's He's seeing things, obviously, that he's never seen before, experiencing things. He's going back to the same place that he was at, and he was probably just used to counting his steps. And you got to believe that may, he, he doesn't know where he's going. He's probably still counting his, his own steps. I imagine he was maybe even struggling finding his way back and having to close his eyes to find his way back. And then they're asking the question, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? And some said he was, and others said no. He just looks like him, but the beggar said, the beggar himself, he speaks up. Because again, they're talking about him, not to him. He speaks up and says, yes, I am the same one. I'm the one that used to sit and beg because that was my only option. He couldn't have had an occupation because he was blind. Here's what we know. Healed people heal, forgiven people forgive, and rescued people rescue other people. This man had a new lease on life. And I wonder today, have you ever been given a new lease on life? Has there ever been that moment where you've been healed, where God undid something that you did? Has there ever been that moment where you've realized that you're forgiven, that God loved you no matter, no matter what you did in the past, no matter what baggage it was, no matter what hurt, habit, or hangup it was, like, you're forgiven. 
or has there ever been a moment where, man, you've, you've realized, man, I've been rescued. And so as a result of being rescued, I'm gonna get in the game and help rescue other, other people immediately. Then in verse 10, they ask, who healed you and what happened? This is where the story gets interesting. He told them, the man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes. Notice this, he skips the spit part. He just says he made mud. I, I, I like that, like he had a super soaker. I don't know what he had, and he did something, right? He made mud and spread it over my eyes, and he told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and washed, and now I can see. Then in verse 12, where is he now, he said, they asked. I don't know. <laughs> He'd never seen the guy because uh, he was blind when Jesus healed him. He replied, then they took the man who had been blind to the Pharisees because it was on the Sabbath that Jesus had made the mud and healed him. And so the Pharisees were a group of religious people that really didn't like the message of Jesus. And so uh, when we, what we know about religion is, is religion is man's way of getting to God. Religion is all about doing better and trying harder. And Jesus came to eradicate religion and say, hey, I, it's not about doing better and trying harder. Instead, what it's really about is it's about believing in me. And John writes his gospel so that you and I would believe so that we wouldn't just believe that Jesus was a person that existed in human history, that we would believe that he was the savior, the Messiah, the one that would come to undo all of the stuff that we did and rescue us from our sins. So the blind man goes in front of the Pharisees, well, the formerly blind man. The Pharisees asked the man all about it, so he told him, he put, again, he, he skips the spit part, I don't know. He put, put the mud over my eyes, and when I washed it away, I could see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man, is, uh, this man is Jesus is not from God for he's working on the Sabbath. Again, religious people love to follow rules. They love to blame other people, right? And so because Jesus healed on the Sabbath, they were like, there's no way that he can be from God. Others said, but how can an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? You know who I wanna believe? We don't, we don't know the names of the Pharisees that brought this up, but I, I really believe this may have been Nicodemus. Nicodemus was the guy who came to Jesus at night who was a Pharisee in John chapter three. Uh, he also shows up again in John chapter, uh, John chapter 17. And he's also at the end of the gospel of John, he's one of the two people that is helping bury Jesus. He was a silent disciple of Jesus. And I wonder if that's you. Like if you would identify yourself kind of as like a silent follower. Like in front of your work friends, you don't really talk about Jesus because you're kind of afraid what they're gonna think about you and, or in front of your old college friends or in front of certain groups of people, uh, you're just not comfortable talking about Jesus. And that's kind of what this person was. Because he's asking the question, but how could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? It's bold, but it's not quite bold enough. And then he says, so there's a deep division among them. There's this deep moment where they're like, man, is this, is this real? Then in verse 17, then the Pharisees again question the man who had, been, who had been blind and demanded, what's your opinion about this man who healed you? because they're, they're kind of trying to figure out who is this Jesus? And there's, this, there's some of them that are saying that maybe he's from God. There's others saying, oh, he's definitely a sinner. And so now they're gonna invite the guy who was never allowed into the temple because of his blindness. Well, who do you think he is? And so the man replied, I think he must be a prophet. I mean, there's definitely something to this. It's not just like an America's Got Talent trick that he pulled here, right? Um, and so... Uh, it's, it's wild because the Jewish leaders still refused to believe the man had been blind and could now see. So they're like, okay, maybe this guy is lying. Like maybe he, maybe he like could like partially see or whatever. Maybe. So they called in his parents. I mean, that's, that's like how serious it's getting, right? So they, they summoned his parents in and they asked him, is this your son? Was he born blind? If so, how can he now see? So there's like three quick questions. Is this your son? Was he born blind? How can he see? 
So let's see, they, let's see what mom and dad said. His parents replied, we know this is our son, and that he was born blind. So they're like, here to confirm and testify, this is definitely the deal. But we don't know how he could see or heal them. Uh, ask him. They're, the parents are like, and man, can you imagine your parents just throwing you under the bus again? You know that at some point they kicked him out of the house uh, and made him be a beggar, and now they're throwing him under the bus again. Ask him. He's old enough to speak for himself. And they say this. Here's why. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had announced that anyone saying Jesus was the Messiah would be expelled from the synagogue. That's why they said he's old enough, ask him. They were threatened by these leaders and they were afraid they were gonna be kicked out of the synagogue. So they just said, hey, we don't know who this Jesus guy is. We wanna still be able to enjoy you know, temple worship in the synagogue, that's what we wanna be able to do. And so they say, ask him, he's old enough. So for the second time, they called in the man who had been born blind and told him, God, uh, God should get glory for this because we know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. So they're like, there's no way that Jesus did this. And so, uh, so they go, he goes on here. I don't know whether he's a sinner, the man replied, but I know this. This is so good. He said, I don't know if he's a sinner, but I know this. I was blind, and now I can see. Like, that's my story. I don't know who this guy is, but I know one thing, my life's been changed. But what did, what did he do, they asked? How did he heal you? Here's what I know, man. You don't have to know everything about God. You just have to know that you've been rescued. That's all you gotta know. You know, so we make so much out of the Bible. Man, this is such an important text for us. Like, this is the word of life for us. But sometimes we use the Bible as like, man, I don't know everything there is to know about the Bible, so I'm not gonna tell other people about Jesus. All you need to know is that you've been rescued, friend. That's all you need to know. You have a story to tell. And rescued people make their life mission about helping rescue other people. And so I wonder today, man, are you on that mission? Are you living that out in your own life, saying, man, I'm gonna be a part of helping men and women, boys and girls, meet, know, and follow Jesus? And this is where this guy gets a little sassy. The blind guy's frustrated because the back, the back part of, of verse 26, what did he do, they asked. How did, how did he heal you? And then so he goes here in verse 27. He go, you always know when you're in trouble with somebody when they start uh, any kind of conversation with look. He said, look, the man explained. I told you once, you, you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? <laughs> oh, right. Then, uh, then they cursed him and said, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. And so they're, they're referencing old, an Old Testament leader here saying, you're a disciple, they're telling this guy he's a disciple of Jesus, we're disciples of Moses. We know God spoke to Moses, but we don't even know where this man comes from. Why, that's very strange, the man replied. So back to the blind man. It's very strange, he replied. He healed my eyes, yet you don't know where he comes from. He's like, well, hey, I, I'm, now I can see, right? We know that God doesn't listen to sinners. This is their reply. But he's ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. Ever since the world began, no one has been able to open the eyes of someone who has been born blind, very eloquent from a blind man. If this man were not from God, he couldn't have done it. And there, here's their reply to him. You were born a total sinner. Dude, can you imagine if somebody called you a total sinner? This is so fitting because the reality is, is that we were all born total sinners. That there's not a single person listening right now that isn't a total sinner. But I just think it's hilarious that these religious people would say, okay, we're done with you. In fact, 
even though you're not blind anymore, you're no, you're no longer allowed in the temple. He said, they answered, are you trying to teach, who are you trying to teach us? And they threw him out of the synagogue. And all this is happening. When I've read this story before, I've often wondered, where was Jesus at in this moment? Like, where was he? I mean, I, I would love for Jesus to have showed up in the story and defend this man or start an, start an argument, you know, or like an arm wrestling contest with these guys or something. Like, he just doesn't show up. Where is he? And oftentimes when we're going through struggles, it can feel like that in life. Like, it can feel like, man, Jesus, where are you? You're going through some difficulty, some pain, some difficult circumstance in your life. Maybe you're going through a health struggle, a financial struggle, a relational struggle, and you're just wondering, like, Jesus, where are you? And I want you to know, he's with you. He is there with you. He never leaves your side. So in verse 35, in John's gospel, it says this, when Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man. And he asked, do you believe in the Son of Man? And the man answered, who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. Again, the whole point of John's gospel is that people would believe, that people wouldn't just be rescued from their circumstances, but they'd be rescued from their sins. This man was rescued from his blindness, but Jesus is about ready to rescue him from something so much greater than that. Then in verse 37, you have seen him, Jesus said, and he's speaking to you. He said, yes, Lord, I believe, the man said, and he worshiped Jesus. Here's what I wanna to propose to you today. Jesus is either God or he's a liar. Because you, if you're not God and you convince someone to worship you as God, then you are a horrible, terrible person. Because he says here, yes, Lord, I believe. And then immediately, and he, he worshiped Jesus, which means he declared Jesus as God. What have you done with Jesus? And have you made a decision to say, what, what do you believe about him? Do you either believe he's God or he's a liar? There really isn't an in-between. And sometimes we like to ride the fence on this and say there is, but I want you to know there isn't. So he's either God or he's not. And if he's God, then man, you and I have to get to the business of helping rescue other people because we've been rescued. So I always like to wrap up a sermon with really clear next steps. And I got really three of them for you today. The first one is this, is you gotta decide who Jesus is. Like, would you make a decision to say, I am going to decide who this man Jesus is? And man, I think it's really important to, to explore this. Like, take some time over the holiday season to say, man, I'm gonna figure out who Jesus is. Take the month of November, the month of December, the first part of January, and then would you decide, I'm gonna explore who Jesus is, that he's not some fictional character in human history. He's not some God that we made up, that he's real. Maybe your next step is saying, I'm not gonna waste my pain. I think about the blind man, and he didn't waste his pain. His entire life, he was dealt a bad hand of cards. Difficult circumstance for sure. Life was not easy on this man. But he decided after he was healed to say, man, I'm gonna grow through my pain. And I wonder today, man, could you do that before you're healed? Like, would you make a decision to say, man, I'm not gonna waste the pain. I'm gonna grow through what it is I'm going through. And that I got this one life and with this one life, even if, I'm, even if I'm not living the most ideal circumstance, how could I point other people to God? You know, I haven't always followed Jesus, and part of my story is there were people that were going through difficult situations and circumstances whenever I was kind of like skeptical about God, and the way, I, the way they responded to difficulties in their life helped me to see there was something real about their faith. Is your faith even real? 
if it doesn't cost you something. Don't waste your pain. And then also, determine to be a rescuer. Like, determine to take the life that you have and say, man, I am gonna be about helping rescue other people, helping other people meet, know, and follow Jesus. And so I don't know where you're at on the journey today, but I do believe there's a next step for you to take. And maybe it's deciding who he is. Maybe it's saying, I'm not gonna waste my pain. Maybe it's saying, I'm gonna, I'm gonna help rescue other people. Would you decide on a next step right now? I'm gonna pray for you. Uh, and then we'll, we'll wrap up our time together. So let's pray together. Father, I'm grateful that you love us enough to send your only son to come and rescue us, to come and undo all the things that we did wrong. And God, I pray today that you would help us to identify a next step. God, maybe that's determining we're gonna help rescue people. God, maybe that's determining that we're gonna take our circumstance that we're going through and we're not gonna waste the pain that we have in our lives. We're gonna point other people to you through the difficulties that we're in. But God, it may be us deciding that you really are God, that your son really is our savior. And if that's you right now and you're listening to this prayer and you're ready to make Jesus Lord of your life, you could pray a prayer just like this. God, thank you for sending your only son to come and die in my place. Today, God, I recognize that I need to be rescued. That I may not be physically blinded, but God, I'm spiritually blind. And God, today, I need a relationship with you. I recognize that you sent your only son to come and die for all of my sins, all of my mistakes, all of my regrets, all of my pain, all of my shame. And today, God, I confess you and only you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for saving me and making me a Christian. Help me to live every day of my life, not for me, but for you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray all this, amen. Thanks again for listening. We would love to see you at one of our in-person services that meet on Sunday at 8.30, 9.45, and 11 a.m. If you feel so inclined to give, you can do so at www.graceriver.cc. Have a great week.